Hi, this is Eric Boyce, CEO and Chief Investment Officer for BKA Wealth Consulting, and welcome to Market Minutes for April 18th of 2022. As we get started this week, uh, certainly the word of the day is inflation. Uh, we also have earnings, so uh, we have a confluence of some data, uh, some good from the economic standpoint, some bad. Obviously, inflation continues to drive the anxiety and volatility in the markets, uh, although we haven't seen lately a lot of the large uh, volume and, and significant percentage move days that we've seen earlier this year. Uh, but we're just really trying to meander. And I think the best way to sum it up is the market is still trying to figure out how to price in you know, this environment that we're heading into likely over the next several months. And this, this is a central uh, point here is just you know, we're entering a tightening phase, but we have some uh, known unknowns with regard to inflation and commodity prices related to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Uh, there is still a lot of geopolitical speak out there in terms of what it does for trade alliances and things like that, and, uh, and whether Germany is going to you know, put some backbone in and, and uh, boycott uh, Russian imports of energy. Uh, what does that do for grain prices? What does it do for the energy basket? And, uh, you know, downstream, what does it do for, you know, the U.S. consumer in terms of higher gas prices at the pump? Uh, and then, you know, amidst that, we have some of these kind of fledgling policy initiatives like uh, drawing uh, reserves uh, out of our strategic petroleum reserve. You know, what does that really do for the economy? And, and now, you know, you've got uh, kind of a domestic political kind of uh, confluence of, of things where, you know, uh, President Biden seems to be going against the progressives now and authorizing uh, drilling on federal lands, but, you know, it might be too little too late. Uh, just you know, just a lot of things to kind of get your arms around right now. And so, and that coupled with the fact that we're uh, just now entering the, the throes of earnings season, uh, you know, has created uh, quite a bit of... Uh, you know, uncertainty out there. And so market doesn't necessarily like that. So we don't necessarily get the bid, but there's a lot of things uh, that are worth talking about this week. And, and we might want to go ahead and just, you know, kind of start with the data and then we can kind of talk about, you know, obviously we're talking about equities, fixed income, commodities, and get into kind of an economic backdrop. But um, for the week, the Dow was down eight tenths of a percent. S&P was down 2.1 percent. Remember, S&P has more technology growth stocks uh, uh, that influence that, that particular index. Uh, NASDAQ was down 2.6 percent uh, for the month. S&P is down just over 5 percent. Dow Jones down about 65 basis points. Uh, and for the year, uh, S&P is down about 7.8%. Dow Jones is down about 5.2%. NASDAQ down about 147 You go across the pond uh, here, MSCI World Index is down around about 84 So a little less than the domestic markets. Europe down around 10 uh, And Asia down around 10 And you know, emerging markets also down around 10 for the year to date. Uh, when you look at the fixed income market, so we've got, you know, the U.S. 10-year uh, uh, 10-year yield at 2.83. So we did have a move in the in the 10-year uh, Treasury. So when you look at uh, you know year to date on the 10-year Treasury, we're up about 132 basis points, or 
three two percentage points. You know, if you look at the two year, the two year is two point four seven, and that's up one hundred and seventy two basis points. So, again, to this notion of the market is really pricing in more uh, a more aggressive Fed uh, uh, with uh, more aggressive interest rate increases. We'll talk about that in just a second, but. You know, you can see here that the two-year treasury has moved a lot more than the 10-year treasury has. When you get out to the 30-year treasury, which is about 2.91%, uh, that's a barely a percent this year. So we've had a lot of flattening in the curve. Uh, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago about like a brief inversion of the, of the curve, which means that the two-year yields at one point were slightly higher than the 10-year. Uh, and also the three, uh, not the three months, but the one year was uh, slightly inverted uh, as well. And then the five to 30 uh, was also slightly inverted. That has kind of corrected though. We've seen an uptick in uh, fixed income rates, uh, you know, over the last week. Uh, and uh, is kind of talking about, let's back up and talk about equities and we'll hit the quick comments on fixed income and move, move down the line here. So large cap stocks, Drag the S&P down about 2%. Uh, and, you know, a lot of that had to do with the volatile, uh, you know, 10-year treasury, which we've talked about. Cyclicals outperform. Um, and, um, you know, the defensives have, have really led as economic uncertainty has increased. And so um, that's really the story on the equity side. Uh, and then when you look at fixed income, obviously we've talked about the move in the 10-year, but consumer price data it, it was elevated, um, but it was actually, you know, relatively more moderate than some people had expected, uh, causing the yields to uh, move a, maybe a tad lower uh, by the end of the week. Uh, and, um, you know, but obviously with rates rising, we continue to see erosion in some areas of the market. Uh, when you look at the Barclays U.S. Aggregate Index, uh, and, and again, this is a broad swath of different types of fixed income, but that index is down about 8.5% for the year. Investment grade bonds are down 11%. High yield has uh, not, uh, not been spared. Uh, it's down about 6.6%. Uh, so, you know, we've seen uh, a kind of a higher correlation of sorts. We've seen some elements of the bond market actually do worse than equities. Um, but uh, so yeah, obviously we'll continue to, to follow that. And uh, obviously, you know, we've got a Fed uh, open market meeting, uh, a committee meeting uh, coming up in just a few weeks in which I do think we're going to see about a half percentage point uh, increase in, in, uh, in rates. When you get down to commodities, uh, oil prices were up about 8.8%, which is the most in seven weeks. Uh, Russia basically said that they're going to extend their war in Ukraine. Uh, and, uh, and, and China, you know, for its part, has been locked down because of a coronavirus surge, and they were looking to maybe ease some of that. But uh, U.S. crude demand uh, fell uh, somewhat, uh, which obviously is a byproduct of high prices. So, um, you know, high gasoline prices uh, hit consumers, and crude supply really hasn't yet uh, responded to these higher prices, but we do think they will. Production's been flat roughly since 2021, and rig counts are rising at kind of a, you know, kind of a relatively benign rate. Uh, we also had a pretty big move in natural gas, uh, the highest price that we've seen 
at $7.30 per million BTU. It's the highest since 2008. Basically, cold weather and short supply. So, you know, I mentioned natural gas around seven point, or excuse me, seven dollars and thirty cents, and then WTI crude settling in about one hundred and six dollars, almost one hundred and seven. Gold, for its part, uh, up about eight percent for the year, about nineteen hundred and seventy-one dollars an ounce. Dollar index up five percent, and Bitcoin down twelve point eight for all you people playing the home game. Uh, there, but you know, you look at uh, uh, economics. Um, you know, the, considering the March consumer price index or inflation uh, report was modestly encouraging, inflation still is still very very firm. Uh, continues to weigh relatively heavily on business sentiment, and probably be an important theme to watch as uh, first quarter earnings continue to roll in, particularly this week. Uh, consumer prices were up 1.2% in March, pretty much as expected, pushing inflation to about 8.5% year over year, which is a four-decade high. And if you back out food and energy, core prices were up three-tenths of a percent. Uh, used car prices, uh, only 4% of the index, uh, but it had been a huge swing factor. And so we saw those ease a, a little bit. Uh, food and energy, though, uh, which are considered, you know, household necessities were up almost 16% year over year and will continue to keep pressure on the Fed to raise rates. Uh, we saw retail sales rose uh, five tenths of a percent, but you know, if you include, uh, or excuse me, exclude, I should say, uh, uh, autos, gas, building materials, so on and so forth, uh, consumer, uh, or excuse me, retail sales were down the second month in a row. and uh, uh, But we did see a little bit of a bounce in the University of Michigan consumer sentiment number to 65.7% in April. Uh, it remains a little bit subdued, but it's, you know, it's not at a trough level, uh, I should say. Um, you know, what's interesting, you know, we had a chart, several charts from the National Federation of Independent Business, uh, NFIB, uh, in our chart pack this week. And it really... The NFIB represents small businesses, and so what's, what was interesting, according to their optimism index, inflation now trumps the quality of labor as the single most important problem business owners face, uh, and, and 72% of firms said that they are being forced to raise their selling prices as a result of input costs. So clearly, small business has, has pivoted from their, their, their mainstay fear over the last year, which is just the supply of labor, to this issue of inflation being a real, real problem uh, for them. Um, so uh, let's see, when you talk about, uh, uh, you know, talk about positioning, I guess, overall to say, you know, rate hikes are coming. We want to opt for high quality uh, equity exposure with strong dividend potential. Uh, and then on the fixed income side, you know, in response to all this, again, focus on relatively high quality and, and shorter duration uh, bonds uh, to create a ballast and limit your, uh, limit your downside uh, exposure. But uh, I did say it's earnings season, so it's important. So we're going to get 15% of the S&P index uh, reporting this week. Uh, and the following week, we get almost half of the index reporting, and then we get the bulk of the remainder after that. So we get a lot of activity. We'll hear from a lot of companies over the next 
several weeks. But earnings uh, growth expected to be about 4.6% this quarter, which is, uh, if you back out energy, it's basically expected to be somewhat flat. And, uh, you know, of course, if, you know, banks have been fairly sluggish uh, lately. Uh, in fact, uh, we've seen major banks report double-digit drops in first quarter profits. Uh, investment banking fees were down. Uh, you know, we had some other losses on other uh, uh, sovereign debt that might be tied to the Russian invasion, but uh, offset a little bit by trading revenues. But again, banking revenues down. We're getting some cautionary comments on the part of management teams that are reporting now. But uh, so when you look at, at the year, you know, I think there's some speculation on this that it might be a tad bit aggressive, but earnings growth for the year predicted to be about 9.8%, which is up from about 7% at the start of the year. So we've actually seen earnings expectations increase, uh, which seems kind of counterintuitive for an environment where we're fa facing inflation. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's clear that, uh, that uh, companies are being able to pass through a lot of that into higher prices. Um, and so net profit margins uh, for its part, you know, about 12.1% is the expectation for first quarter, which is above the five-year average of 11.2%, according to Sandy Leeds, uh, but down from the record 13.1% in 2021. Um, and, you know, when we talk about bonds, uh, shifting around back to bonds, so we talked about the rates moving higher. Uh, risk premium offered by stocks over bonds may not be as attractive considering the downshift in global economic growth, um, you know, maybe some higher inflation trends, and then we've got the geopolitical risks and then Fed tightening as well. Uh, we're actually seeing a pretty strong move in municipal bonds. So we're seeing muni yields hitting 4%, which is the highest that we've seen since 2016. Um, and, uh, you know, basically at a 37% tax bracket, a 4% tax system yield is basically equivalent to about 6.4% on a taxable basis. Um, so, uh, you know, again, bond rates or bond yields moving higher. Again, Sandy does has some great commentary about this last week. And so some of this is kind of uh, literally kind of excerpting from, from his comments. But, you know, what, what's interesting, uh, and, and I'm beginning to scatter shoot a little bit on some of the things that caught my attention this week, um, arguments that were not at peak inflation. You know, some people are beginning to speculate that maybe this last print uh, was just that, you know, that we saw uh, the highest inflation point that we're going to. But, you know, if, if you assume maybe not, uh, then, you know, we have uh, uh, producer prices that were up 11.2% year over year, and they typically have a pretty decent correlation with consumer prices. Um, but, you know, as I mentioned, food, you know, vegetables up 82% year over year, grain prices up 40%, likely going higher because Ukraine, uh, fish up 23%, uh, home heating oil up 106%, diesel up 64%, gas up 60%. So we're, we've got a lot of cost push still in the system. Um, a third of small business owners, uh, as I mentioned earlier, say that inflation is their biggest problem. And so, like I said, we had a lot of uh, those, uh, the majority of small businesses raising average selling prices uh, last month. And basically the highest percentage of those raising prices that the 
in the 48 years that they've been running that survey, that's the highest reading that they've ever seen. Um, and then cost of maintaining standard of living rose 17.2% according to shadow government statistics. Um, and, uh, and then shelter, uh, very important here, is a third of the consumer price index. Uh, as I've been saying, uh, rents lag home prices by over a year, and you know, we're clearly seeing that, we're, that in a somewhat upward uh, trajectory. Uh, but just scatter shooting in some other areas, uh, you know, we have, you know, arguments that might help to provide, you know, some support for uh, stock market to rally a little bit. Um, as I've said before, markets typically do rally after rate increases begin. It's just unfortunate that we have the Russian invasion that sat right on top of that, uh, of that first rate hike. Um, but the economy is still relatively strong. Obviously, the labor market exceptionally strong. Uh, you know, we've had the you know 11th straight month of ad adding 400,000 jobs. Our average hourly earnings is up 5.6, providing consumer purchasing power. Excess savings pretty high at 2.5 trillion. Real yields are negative, uh, and uh, you know, and and if you believe, if you can buy into the notion that we're going to get strong earnings. Uh, and relatively decent profit margins. And that does set the stage, uh, or, or it, it takes away some of the risk of, of negative surprises uh, and sets the stage for overall growth. Um, let's see, probability of recession uh, by economists over the next 12 months is 28%. Uh, it was 18% January. Uh, so a little bit higher than that, but again, not a majority feel like we're going to have a recession this year. Uh, perhaps a shallow recession next year, um, not likely to have a deep recession, but you know it's going to be hard for the Fed to navigate um, to navigate a soft landing here. But it absolutely can be done, and this is a Fed that has been very methodical and very diligent and and how they've approached uh, communications with the market to try to avoid this panic or this crisis uh, that we've seen before. Um, you know, high inflation, primary risk. Um, so arguments against the recession include high demand for workers, homes, and cars. And um, let's see, uh, let's see, I mentioned retail spending, um, what's interesting is this, excluding gas sales, retail sales by fell by three-tenths of a percent. Uh, we talked about rents. Uh, we talked about, uh, we've talked a lot about the consumer price uh, impact. Uh, let's see. Interestingly, New York Fed said the public expectations for the inflation rate over the next year is 6.6. .6. So three-year inflation expectations dropped from 3.8 to 3.7, which I do think is a really good landing spot for us uh, over the uh, next, uh, you know, certainly the next you know, 18 months uh, and before it might go a little bit lower. 30-year um, mortgage rate hit 5% for the first time in more than a decade. Very important for home uh, affordability. A year ago, uh, the uh, buying the median American home at prevailing rates meant a monthly mortgage bill of about $1,223 uh, after a 20% down payment. Now it requires a monthly payment of $1,700, which is a 38% increase. So 
Uh, re, uh, the uh, refinancing uh, volume uh, is down about 62% from a year ago. Uh, and overall mortgage originations based on this uh, choke point in affordability is expected to fall maybe about 35, 36% this year. Uh, so, um, you know, obviously, you know, rising rates will have its impact on the housing sector. It probably takes away, takes out some of the investor uh, influence uh, in the market right now, we have a lot of um, you know cash buying speculators that are, you know, in investment property seekers that are in the market, kind of almost crowding out the, you know, the the homeowners that that are are looking for a homestead. Uh, but you know, it it, it uh, I think it, it helps to curb some of the accelerated increases that we've seen in in uh, some markets, uh, although it, I doubt it probably leads to an outright, um, you know, drop in prices. Although, you know, there, there are people talking about, you know, the risk of a housing bubble, but the problem with that argument is that we've uh, been behind the curve for almost a decade in, buy, in building homes versus what we knew the demand was gonna look like, because you could have gone back 10 years ago looked at household formation uh, and overall population growth, and you could have uh, certainly predicted uh, a lot of demand uh, relative to the current build rates. And so, you know, when we had, you know, COVID uh, and, you know, and, and there were certainly periods where we weren't building as many houses, we weren't keeping up with demand. It was only a matter of time before that was going to catch up with us. So, um, so largely, you know, the, the issues at hand, are the um, you know waiting for to see what the Fed does, and we won't hear from the Fed for another few weeks, um, and so in the meantime we might be a little uh, volatile. Obviously, things are going to kind of move on earnings, and we'll have to hear the pace. We're going to hear a lot of industrial companies over the next week talk about input cost inflation, talk about supply chain choke points still being an issue, although not nearly as bad. Um, and um, and then being able to pass costs along to consumer, we're going to hear a lot of that. Uh, and we're going to hear from service industry still talk a little bit about having trouble finding labor. Uh, although it does look like we're getting more people entering back into the workforce, so hopefully that will uh, abate uh, somewhat. Uh, but obviously the issue then is going to be able to offer a competitive salary and benefits package to keep those people uh, on board. So um, quit rates are very high in the service industry. Uh, and so obviously you're seeing a wage push. We just mentioned that um, essentially an employment cost factor is moving up about five, five and a half percent. It's, it's awesome for workers. It, it just uh, represents the, you know, the, uh, you know, the um, byproduct of, of uh, inflation, inflationary pressures and the uh, tight supply of labor. So um, kind of a mixed message. I mean, uh, I just say that, you know, obviously there's some, you know, inflation headwinds that are presented by just by the nature of market volatility uh, and the uncertainty as to whether it's going to head, the uncertainty of whether the Fed getting out in front of this is going to work well, uh, but I think uh, a half percentage point increase in the interest rate uh, the Federal Reserve 
the Open Market Committee next meeting would be viewed as entirely positive, actually. Uh, and again, the equity markets after the first tightening and the absence of a geopolitical tension or what have you, uh, uh, typically well received in the market. And there seems to still be a lot of liquidity looking for a home right now. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, the, we're not in the Pollyanna scenario that we were in last year. Uh, but I think selectivity, as I mentioned, high quality, dividend payers on the fixed income side, also quality, short duration, maturity, uh, and uh, relatively strong credits if you're going to go the credit route uh, make, make a lot of sense in this environment. Well, that will do it this week. Uh, we will be back with you next week with an update on uh, certainly the week's earnings reports and any additional geopolitical tension impacts onto the market. But uh, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. Have a great week and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye.